With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 11, the Paolo Di Shegli episode. So we remember the great number 11s of Juventus past. I think the guy who wore it before him was actually a little bit better. So salute to Patrick Swayze, the best number 11 that we've seen of that was a of weird yesteryear. moment when like that was a weird moment when all of a sudden fullbacks started getting number eleven all over Serie A. <laughs> he wasn't the only one. Conventional Italy, you gotta love it. Uh, as usual, <laughs> that voice you heard was Sam Lopresti. Hello, Sam. How's it going, Danny? We've got Chucks fresh off vacation in Colorado. Hello, Chucks. Yeah, good evening. Uh, it was uh, quite the vacation for those of you who care. I guess I was. Uh, all the way up in Pikes Peak, the full 13,000 feet above sea level, which is uh, roughly, I think, five kilometers or so. So uh, I was quite literally in the clouds, um, unlike our dearly beloved Juventus, which yeah. is uh, more, very, more very impor- far from that. More importantly, off the grid and not watching Juventus. Mm, yes, yes. And uh, uh, our yes. man down in Mexico, Sergio. Hello, Sergio. Hey, it's all good, man. It's all good. We we talked last week after a very disappointing result against AC Milan, and I think it's safe to say that this week's two results have pretty much, in terms of the performance, obviously Juventus actually got a point or two in in or a point in these past two games, but the performances as a whole were not all that great. So I'll throw it to you first, Sam. We said we jokingly said a few weeks ago that Juventus kind of sucks. Is it a line from the water boy where, oh, no, we suck again? Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the, it certainly wasn't great. Uh, I, I won't steal Chuck's line. I'll let him use that. But it, it's, it's so weird to get a read on things right now because the, you know, this team that looked so – all it, it not even the 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 technical aspects of it just the mental aspects of a team that you know in those two games against Genoa and Torino looked so mentally hungry and all of a sudden seemed to have gone catatonic and and it makes me wonder if we're talking about just tired bodies producing tired minds 
because this is so difficult to gauge because this is so atypical what we're experiencing right now in you know having played a game every three days for a month already and still going you know guys like Rodrigo Bentancourt look Bentancourt in particular looks gassed um my son know, is I, tired I, I just, <laughs> he's tired like I'll, he, he's played every he's played the full 90 in every game bar one since the Coppa Italia started yeah he's played and, he's played as many minutes out of I think he's played the most minutes of ever anybody outside of maybe Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, don't, don't quote me on that, but he's, I mean, I, I mentioned it on the, on the match preview before the Sassuolo game. It, I mean, he just, he's played about as heavy amount of a workload as he can get. And it's at a position where he's being asked to do so much more than probably anybody has been lately in terms of just trying to get everything going in the midfield. And, different spots in the midfield too. So as you were, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I just think that it's just such a, you know, things are going so weird. Like, you know, Rabio still kind of trending up Danilo weirdly trending up in terms of individual performance these last couple of days, even Miralem, Miralem Pjanic has all of a sudden started spraying some deep good passes around and it's just a matter it's so hard to gauge and you know it, it's you know you see the 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 default you know a lot of people are defaulting into you know well it, it it's Saudi he's you know but I think really what this comes down to is that a the roster construction that Saudi was saddled with this year has really started to come back to to bite him and it also says a lot about how the, the whole structure of the restart really does favor younger and proactive sides like Atalanta and Sassuolo, who, by the way, were the two teams in the best form coming into these their respective games in the league, and also two teams that are well settled into progressive tactical setups with very good coaches. Gasparini, very good coach. He's been there for four years now. Atalanta know what they want, and they have depth within the system Atalanta's depth maybe isn't as good player for player as Juve's is, but within the system, they can swap out like for like, a lot like Sadi does, and the, and, but the drop-off isn't anything because they just know what they're doing. Right now, we, Juventus really doesn't have that right now because they're still, set, they're still trying to get into Sadi's system a lot, and some of whom don't really fit it. Same with Roberto Di Zerbi, who, you know, if you want to talk about somebody to, you know, if Sari does get fired, I would take Roberto Di Zerbi in a heartbeat. He's really had a couple of good years at Sassuolo. He's taken some really exciting young players and turned them into a really good attacking side. So what is it? Is it physical? Is it a physical collapse? Is it a mental collapse? Is it a coaching collapse? Is it just that teams are starting to catch up? Which, you know... We were so far ahead of the league for such a long time that the idea of some teams getting to our level is a little foreign. And I think that's something that we're going to have to start thinking about more as seasons go by, regardless of how we start playing, is that the rest of the league is starting to play better. And that is going to be a major thing for us in the coming years as so long as they can keep things together. I think I do agree with Sam on one thing. Everything is so broken in general that it's so hard to just pinpoint one thing and say, this is the culprit, right? Like we're talking about uh, a a squad that was probably just fundamentally flawed from the get-go, a squad that is, I think, either the, the oldest or one of the oldest squads in the league. The average age is 29 years old, almost 30 and you have them playing every three days, every four days. What we thought was like our biggest strength coming back uh, from, you know, the lockdown, it was our depth. It was that we could rotate guys in and out and, you know, always have fresh legs. And that is gone. We don't really have that anymore. We have uh, Matthijs De Ligt out there playing, you know, on pretty much, I mean, with a busted shoulder at this time. Every time he goes down, he's clutching his shoulder he very clearly needs like maybe some surgery, maybe rehab, who knows, but like we can't afford to sit him because our supposed, you know, bonded 
center back depth is gone as well. Banucci has a knock. Giorgio Chiellini, who started again against uh, Sassuolo, which, you know, was nice to see, but he's clearly, you know, he's clearly still rehabbing. He's clearly still not 100% yet. So you have a one-leg Giorgio Chiellini out there. And you have Daniele Rugani, who for all we give him, you know, some, some deserved slack, I think, you know, he he's just not a reliable guy. You can't really trust him to come in and fill that spot. And you have the same case in so many positions. Like Aaron Ramsey, what is he doing out there? He's not providing depth. He's not providing anything. He's often injured as well. I mean, you have a, a squad that in theory, in paper, is so deep and has so many options. And then in reality, you see, it's like, we don't really have that many guys to put in. So obviously, it's a little bit of physical burnout. I think it's definitely a factor. And I mean, at its core, it's a fundamentally flawed team for a coach that has a very specific style and he can't play it with this team. That was a problem in August, still a problem right now. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, they have a good lead, you know, six points, almost, you know, like, like Sam was saying before we recorded, essentially seven against Inter, who is now second place somehow. You know, I, I would say that they're still the favorites to win the league, which is still a good place to be in. But there are so many things just flat out wrong with this team that it's so hard to just pinpoint one factor. Yeah, and to follow up what you just said, Sergio, with, with the coach and the team and the coach versus system kind of thing, once again, I'm left with the question of was Sari brought in, was, let me rephrase that, was the coach brought in to fit the players at hand so you know we had the the players we wanted and then was the coach then was the coach that fit these players then brought in for that or was a coach with a certain system brought in and then we were hoping to force that system onto the existing players and you know i'm still left with that question and i'm i mean i'm not really sure of the answer um 30 what 33 games in still not really sure of the answer to that question really of yeah frankly of system versus individuals you know if we go for a certain system or if we just went with or if we just had certain players and then just thought ah well this coach can that'll do i mean as danny mentioned i was on vacation for uh, the last week and a bit so i did miss both games um however i know i know once again i was up in the clouds as uh Unlike, unlike our team, which was uh, firmly on the ground. But I did kind of catch the general sentiment of the two games that happened. And I mean, one thing that did just, I guess, shock me was, I'm not sure if it was the Atalanta game or the Sassuolo game or both even, that like at some point in the game, I think early on in the game, we had something like 30-something percent, uh, percent ball possession. <laughs> which is you know yeah, that, I mean, that was that was Sassuolo it was for much of the first half it was down in the 30s 30 percent it was Sassuolo yeah, yeah. I thought so I, Atalanta I thought too. both both games really especially yeah. the Atalanta game I figured yeah yeah I figured I, I remember reading that I just thought my god you know that is I mean those are pretty pretty concerning numbers that said I do have to say that you know I'm not really a ball possession fanatic or anything I don't necessarily care about ball possession you know 30 40 50 80 percent ball possession whatever but I mean those are really really low numbers um, and very concerning numbers indeed and the thing also the reason about the ball, ball possession that I mentioned that is you know once again brings me back to that argument of match control which I think I'd mentioned in like episode two or three or four or something like that yeah, match control, which is just, you know, you can have 30% ball possession. I don't really care. But, you know, you have teams where they have like 30% ball possession. But every time they have the ball, it's pass, pass, pass. And then there's a shot on target or it's a, it's a dangerous opportunity. It's a, it's a difficult save for the goalkeeper, which means that the, the team that has like, you know, 70% ball possession thinks, okay, well, great. We have the ball 70% of the time, but well, if we let it go... That 30%, you know, it could really, really hurt us. And that's, to me, that's match control. That's the team with less possession is still kind of controlling the match, even without the ball, because there's that threat. There's that, you know, back of the mind, like, ooh, well, we got to watch out for that one. But with, 
Juve, I didn't see that. <laughs> I don't think we do that. I don't think we have that kind of that kind of latent threat to other teams. And that concerns me, you know. I mean, if you have that, then I don't care how, how little ball, ball, ball possession you have. But if you don't have that, which I don't think we have, then having 30% ball possession at a point in the game is extremely concerning. So, again, the lack of match control really from Juve over these, I mean, two games, over much of this season is something that above all really does worry me for this season and going into the next season, really. I think it's it's so interesting what you mentioned because in the earlier games, in some games we were mentioning, oh, they have all the possession and they don't seem to do anything with it, right? Like they, they lack that aggressive edge. And then in this one, we're like, oh, they didn't get any sort of possession. They got overrun. And that's, I think, the key of, for this Juventus season is that we don't know which Juventus is going to show up on a week on a game-to-game basis. The, there's no rhyme or reason why they seem to to play really well one day and then play really badly the other. Of course, you know, the competition always plays a factor in it. But, I mean, you don't really know what you're going to get from this team. And I think Calvin, or, or tireless quote person at, at uh, Black and White and Red all over, you know, he posted uh, Mauricio Sarri's comments after the game saying that the, he was angry that the team was maddeningly inconsistent. And it's like, well, my guy, that's kind of your, your job. I mean, why are they maddeningly consistent? Like, we don't seem to play any sort of system, any sort, like, you don't know what you're going to get from this team at all. And the fact that we're still having this conversation in July while we're like in, we have five games left in Serie and we're still thinking, well, you know, the system, it shows flashes. It's like, we shouldn't be having flashes at this point. I understand that the squad wasn't custom built for, for Sarri system. Like I get that. But at the same time, you were not given a, a Sunday league squad. I mean, if you can't make something resembling your system work with these players, at some point, we do have to look at, at the coach. And I know he's the easy scapegoat, but I think you do have to look at him and say, how are we going to have to completely retool the team for, for us to to finally get some semblance of Sarribol or, or what's going on? Because it is maddening that we're almost done with the season and the same questions we had in August of 2019, we still have them today. I mean, I think that we we're in for a retooling on this team regardless of whether or not Saudi ball heads solidified or not by this point in the season, just because of the state of the roster and how badly it's been put together, especially these last two seasons. If, if there's anything to hang a hat on with Saudi, it's I've been talking with some uh, friends of mine who are Napoli fans who say that it, the whole thing really didn't come for them until his second year. You know, they, they got guys, they, you know, they absorbed things more. And also this year, it's impossible to judge anything based on the, the atypicalness of this year anyway, I think. You know, it's a little bit like what the, the Phillies beat writer on MLB.com that I was reading earlier today were talking about, you know, how do you judge the season? The Phillies, the, 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 the Phillies were a little bit like Juvent- Juventus going into this baseball season in that they had made they had gotten a new manager. They had made a couple of moves to really beef things up with the roster. This was their go for broke year. And much like, you know, Ronaldo, you know, with the Ronaldo pickup being kind of the go for broke period with Juventus, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, base, baseball is about to start next week here in the U.S. and they're only playing a 60 game season. Can you judge the way that that plays? Or, or do you have to just throw it all away and try again next year? That's going to be a question that the front office is going to have to figure out, especially if they're going to stay with Saudi, which I really kind of think is going to happen. I, I, we're, he's going to at least start next year. But, yeah, it, it's, it's just so difficult to make a, a, a real judgment because we don't know what we're looking at anymore after the stoppage. Honestly, I think it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of, obviously, just the sheer erraticness of COVID, but then also a little bit of our team is just not optimal. And I lean more towards the latter because of the fact that 
this trend was already this trend of just erratic performances by Juventus, by Juventus was already kind of existent before COVID. That's why I lean towards the you know something is existent before kind of, Sadi. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that frankly, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, and obviously that makes you appreciate Allegri more because I mean it. It. Things by are the still. End of the season, we were doing the same thing. By the end of his last season, we were doing the same thing that we're doing now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, true. But you know, over his how many years he was here? Was it five, five seasons? Four, five seasons he was there. It was at least yeah, five, five, yeah. five seasons. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was at least not. I don't know. I felt like with Allegri was like you know we would generally just win, but it would just be like boring and just like kind of half-assed and, or I don't know if I can say that word, but, but it was, you know, kind of drab and all that, but it was still kind of a one nil here and one nil there. But sorry, I mean, it's all over the place. It's, it's frankly, it's like 30 minutes of amazing football and then just suddenly, you know, three goals conceded, four goals conceded or something like that uh, with obviously the defense kind of crumbling over the last few games as well. So I don't know. I'm inclined to say it was, you know, structural issues before COVID, and yeah, rather than entirely COVID's uh, fault, I guess. Yeah, and I think in general, just I think we just rounded up the topic and, and we hit it on the head. And I don't know if we realize that, but this squad was had problems before Mauricio Sarri. That is completely true. And we this squad was just not a team that was built for a guy like Mauricio Sarri to come in. He was from the get-go, I don't want to say the wrong choice to lead the team, but he was definitely not the type of guy that you bring in when you have the oldest squad in the league and when you have a team that is built with to, to win now, when you need to win right now. Like Sam mentioned, I'm sure that in Napoli it took time and it was probably second, third year when they were really like in gear. But for Juventus, when you're expected to produce from the get-go where you have a squad with Cristiano Ronaldo, who is a great player, but he's a veteran. He has a couple years left tops with, you have, you know, a back line that is old outside of the league. You have a team that is, everyone is a veteran. Everyone is like at their peak or, you know, reaching a post peak moment. I don't know if you need to bring a guy who's has the system and who needs those type of players to work uh, a team i mean i think that was i don't want to really to get the whole allegory out saga we had this entire last year but it, it just was mauricio Sarri is not a flexible coach and you needed kind of like a flexible coach kind of a guy to come in and get the best out of the squad as it was currently built i mean the, the way the squad is currently built i also think it puts really puts paid to the idea of ronaldo being the final piece the team wasn't built for that little fallacy either. Where's Hunter when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You know, seeing as we're on the topic of Saudi, and since we live where we are, we're able to see tomorrow's headlines today. Tuto Sport, our good old buddies over in Turin, they're basically running a headline that says Scudetto or out. So basically without trying to butcher the Italian language all that much, the translation is, is essentially saying that if Juventus win the Scudetto, sorry, will be confirmed for another season. And obviously you can probably figure out logically if he doesn't win the Scudetto, which after facing Lazio on Monday, who the hell knows where things will stand, but you know, is is the Heat rightfully under Sari's seat? Should it be there? I mean, is it is it a case for, you know, basically that this club is working with obviously a, fl a flawed squad, but a squad where there doesn't have this massive window that, say, a younger squad like, I don't know, Atalanta maybe or, or other, other top clubs in Europe are, are working towards? I mean, 
where do where do you guys kind of stand with the fact that you know Juventus are working with a coach that clearly has a long term or has a system that needs to work long term for him to be successful, but also they're working within a window where time isn't necessarily their best friend. I think once again it comes back. I mean, I hate to sound like a, a broken record, but I think one it, it it comes back to you know when Sari was hired. What was the intention slash idea? Was it you know we want to play Sari's type of football, so we're going to bring him in, and then we're just going to kind of figure it out with the players we have, and just kind of you know shoehorn it all kind of together there to fit Sari's system. Or was it, okay, we have the current players at hand. We're just going to kind of take that as a given right now that we have this set of players. And then let's get a coach that can optimize the performance of this set of players right here and play the system that optimizes for them. You know, I still, I mean, frankly, I still just don't really know. Or I guess there's option C and, you know, option C could just be, well, there was no one better at the time, which I mean that could be true as well but so I don't know I I personally I think yeah, I don't know I I want to say it was kind of upper management that that honestly tried to get a coach with a certain system and then they just you know said ah you'll figure it out with the players that he has but we want to play that system um, I'm inclined to think that more than you know more than the other option which which you know makes me think well it's not really Sari's fault I mean he was then kind of put into you know a wrong you know it's a whole square peg for a round hole kind of thing i mean it's i think that 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 was really more the case so i mean you want to blame the square do you want to blame the hole or you want to blame the person that was controlling the two in the grand scheme of sports it's always the coach that takes the first fall so the idea that Saudi's seat is hot is just the way of sports but the people who really ought to be on the hot seat are upper management. I think that, I, I think that you know, you you look at this team the, with a midfield that's been neglected for years, with a youth system that has not produced any players of note since Claudio Marquisio graduated up to the first team. Moise Kane, yeah, but then you cashed, then you turned him into cash. I, I said something about this a week, uh, an episode or two ago about my frustrations with this, that the youth si- system is not actually graduating players that will help the first team. And we're the only team in the league in the league with a B team. And yet we're still don't see much in the way of, of progression there. You know, you look at, a, you know, Fabio Paratici who failed to cut the dead weight last year, you know, bought a little bit, but bought better this year, you know. Demiral, goodbye. Delict, obviously goodbye. Danilo. But, nah. At least, at least we got. <laughs> I mean, based off honestly, if you want to ask me right now, based off of Danilo's like last two games, whether you'd, you'd want him in this form or Joao Cancelo playing right back for this team, I'd probably say Danilo right now. Because Joao Cancelo just is so abjectly awful at defending. Yes. But also the fact that Danilo is one of the only, one of only three fullbacks on the roster. <laughs> oh. Whose idea was this? It's, you know, it, it's upper, upper management's failings are the reason why this team looks as bad as it does right now. And... Fabio needs to have a heck of a transfer window because I, I know Hunter's piece this past week ruffled some feathers when he talked about just how badly Beppe Marotta is outperforming his protege this year in the transfer window. But it's very, you know, Fabio's going to need to do some work in order to make that not the case, I think. Especially if Inter lands a guy like Sandro Tonali, who is the kind of player that Juventus really, really need. Sari being on the hot seat, like I said, that is the way of sports and the way players do it. You know, the, the players, the way coaches live, they live with that responsibility that they're the first guys off the block. But he's not 
the person that's responsible for this. It's upper management that really needs to do a rethink on how this team gets built. Yeah, and to add to that, Sam, I just remembered something as well. I I read this book recently, or well, quite a while ago now, by really a great person, great human being. Is a book by this former Navy SEAL. Uh, his name is Jocko Willink, and actually wrote it with another one, former another former Navy SEAL, Leif Babin. So Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, they wrote two books, and basically they're about leadership. But the whole concept about based that are based on the books, or that the books are based on, is this whole concept of you know there are no bad teams, there are only bad leaders. So you know he gives these examples of like just military focused uh, examples of like. For example, if if the squad, like if someone in the squad, like forgot to check his equipment or something, or like uh, his his uh, what's it called, his, his his gun or something jams during an operation, you know, people will say, "Oh, it was his fault for not like for messing up his equipment." Well, Jocko will be like, "Well, no, it was the leader's fault. He should have verified with the team before you know going into battle that everyone had done their you know checkups and stuff and their like their gear check and all and all that you know protocol." So, you know, likewise there, I'm inclined to think that with Juventus, it's like, you know, no bad teams, only bad leaders. So, but then in this case, you could say, okay, is the leader Sari here or is it upper management of the club in general? You know, Agnelli and, you know, the whole president, vice president, and just the whole staff that makes the biggest decisions. I'm, I'm going to leave that to, uh, to the listeners to decide, um, you know, what say you? But and obviously, if you know, if you guys are interested in reading the books, they're called. Uh, I think it's the dichotomy of leadership and extreme ownership. If you're interested in reading those books, but yeah, it's just you know a leadership failure in general. But I guess the debate is, you know, whose leadership, Sari's leadership or upper management. And I'm probably gonna, you know, lean and agree with Sam here and say that it's you know upper management here. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. That this was probably a systematic failure from from top to bottom and in, in the result of of this season and and regardless however this season ends as we speak juventus is probably favored to to win Serie A again but i mean i think i think we would really have to talk ourselves into this team making any sort of challenge for the champions league this year even with the weird Lisbon, you know, one game knockout type of weird Champions League we're getting this year. Like even in that format, I mean, you'd really have to talk yourself into this team for, for them to really compete. So, you know, regardless of how the results end for this season, this team was expected to do a lot more. And I like, I think we all agree this is a, a systematic failure from the top to the bottom. But what I would like to see for the next season, you know, just scrapping this whole season away is I would just like them to stop it with the half measures. If you're going to go full on with, with Saribol, if you're just going to say, listen, this is our guy. We brought him in. We believe in him. Then, then commit, then actually do what needs to be done for that system and for that coach to succeed. You know, even if it means tough calls, even if it means, you know, selling Cristiano Ronaldo, or even if it means just, you know, finally, letting good old buddy Sammy Kedira go or just like actually doing what you need to do to build a squad that is actually going to work for Sarri because if they don't if they you know pardon my French but if they half-ass it again and they just go at like oh we brought in Arthur and we brought back uh, Pellegrini from loan and they just bring in a couple guys but they keep the same team we're gonna be here sitting in july of 2022 and we're going to be asking the same questions and we're going to be thinking oh is it the coach's fault is it the team's fault i would just like them to say listen we're going to go full in with Saturday. we're going to tear the whole thing out and if we lose to Serie A because we're building something from scratch then so be it but actually commit to something and if that's not going to happen then i think you have to admit that you know Saturday was probably not the right call and bring in a guy that whatever his system might be, you know, can actually do it with the squad as it's currently constructed. But I don't think it's going to be good for nobody if, if they just keep on the same path that they're currently on. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The defense these last couple games has been <laughs> un-Juventus-like. And I remember writing in the end of January that Juventus were basically allowing one goal per game. I think it was 21 goals or 22 goals in 21 games. And one of our commenters after the Sassuolo game was like, well, the 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 last few games have kind of skewed what what the the goal total was and i was like well you know up <laughs> before that it was you know not so long ago it was basically one goal per game so you know how how concerned are you guys against the defense and from our friends over at viola nation who should start in juve's defense for the rest of the year and why should it be daniele rugani and three clones of daniele rugani I mean, at this at this rate, Daniele Grigani might be the only, like, like Sergio said before, might be the only guy on the center pack on the team that's fully healthy at this point. I mean, you know, Delict's been dealing with the shoulder injuries since before Christmas. You know, a lot of people. I wrote this in my match in my match review yesterday, but you know, a lot you know a lot of the British tabloid talk about how Delict was out of favor and you know Demerol was was usurping his place and this, that, and the other thing. That was because he had this shoulder problem that, you know, that keeps on popping up. I mean, he was going down clutching his shoulder without even really making contact with people yet yesterday against Sassuolo. And that's really, really worrying. Bonucci is, you know, if he has a, this foot problem, Chiellini, we'll see how, you know, he fortunately avoided anything long-term when he came out yesterday. D- hey, Demiral, maybe maybe Demiral will get up to speed by the end of the season? I don't know, because he's back in training now. If you want me to, if you want it right right now, I think the best back four is probably Quadrado, Delict, Bonucci, Sandro, based off of just fit, form and health and and whether or not you can you know a guy can play 90 minutes but that that back that line is so decimated by the injuries that it's really hard to say who's better than the other right now I mean I think it's so it's so hard to say who's gonna actually end up you know finishing the season I mean if I had to say something like Sam says, I think I would actually agree on all four positions. I think those are the guys that have been uh, more reliable, more consistent, you know, not as injured as the other guys. But honestly, who knows? Like like we mentioned before, uh, and we've said a bunch of times now, the lift, his shoulder, who knows what's going on there? I mean, that definitely is going to need probably off-season surgery or something because – He's all constantly clutching it, like he's clearly in pain all the time. And and we also come up like accept the fact that both Bonucci and Chiellini are old now. I mean they they were not never gonna play forever. Not everyone can be Gianluigi Buffon, but I think we we also have to, you know, kind of come to grips with the fact that those guys are not really going to be in the picture for, for much longer. So if they give us, I don't know, a couple more seasons, that's probably it. So but for this season, I think I agree with Sam. Probably, probably Quadrado, De Ligt, Bonucci, and, and Sandro, if they are all healthy, which is something that it's pretty much a game by by game situation. The one thing I do know is that the least we see from Daniele Rugani, the happier I will be. It's actually a direct correlation. The more Daniele Rugani plays, the 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 happier I am, general, just like overall in my day. So hopefully, hopefully we we get some healthy healthy center backs soon. So we, so I just don't have to be angry all the time. I think you and Rugani are like Hunter and Ronaldo. (laughs) 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 The thing uh, is, I'm not so angry with Rugani. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is probably worse. <laughs> hey, I, I was I was called a Danilo hater yesterday, and that you know saying stuff about saying bad stuff about him didn't fit my agenda. So, I mean, who knows? The uh, it it the, the the condition of the center backs this year, especially if Delict has to have surgery, and goodness knows how much how long he'd be out. I've heard some people say that if he has the surgery he needs, he might be out for five or six months. Puts a lot on the fate of Christian Romero and what he will he be made to make weight this transfer season or will he be brought back in because we need him honestly I, I think both like, like you mentioned I think just like overall health of the back line and just the general play of Daniel Rugani it's probably the best thing that's happened to Christian Romero who people were just you know starting to bring up as you know an easy kind of like a trade chip with quickly sell him and get some funds. I think we're now looking realistically at, at him actually coming on and actually getting minutes because Rugani has shown that he's, you know, pretty pretty inconsistent. You, you really can't depend on him too much. And with the overall health of all the other defenders in the squad, I, I think he actually has a really good shot of, of actually being a Juventus player and actually playing some minutes next season. Pellegrini too, and if he gets sold, I'm going to go hit people. Inside, go crazy. Inside Romero family knowledge. So we'll, we'll come back to you next week <laughs> to see if we've heard anything, anything else there, Sergio. He's very excited. He's excited. <laughs> <laughs> From our loyal Twitter question asker, David Desberg at the True ROAC. It feels like Juve is now capable of executing Sarismo against slow stake opposition like we did coming out of the break but when we face high state competition we struggle it almost looks like the team abandons the game script why do you think this is and could it be trust in sorry maybe or a different answer well i mean i kind of disagree that you know coming out of the break we were executing it well because i mean i i think what was it the game against the milan and then napoli i mean there were pretty poor performances and then the first game was against Bologna, if my memory serves me correctly, was, I mean, decent enough, but, you know, it wasn't really anything. I mean, it was just, it got the job done. Really think the only two or three games that we were, like, like good, just really good, were, let me see, it was Genoa and Torino, and I'm thinking, I'm doing this all at the top of my head. And then it just all more. went to hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, frankly, yeah, those two games, and I want to say one more game that we... Had that we no well no it's probably Toledo in Genoa, yeah I'll yeah. talk about so yeah th- that those are you know sixty minutes against Milan and then... yeah 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 of course so you know I once again it's just like has have we really ever executed the true plan of of Sari or you know of Sarismo I really starting to hate using that term it's so cliche at this point but anyway Sarismo or Saribal or whatever else. Um, do it, I do it for the fans, so I'll just use that term anyway. But I don't know. It's I saw this, you know, pet peeve for like cliches and stuff. But no, it, uh, it, if you, I know Chucks would would like this, and I wouldn't be surprised if Chucks also has listened to it. But James Horncastle, the Athletics Italian writer, and Michael Cox, Mister Zonal Marking himself on on the Zonal Marking pod this week, they actually talked about the origins of Sarismo and basically how it originated from the internet and if it's really still applicable so it's it's a pretty entertaining just to kind of hear them blame everything on twitter and the internet and all that good (laughs) stuff are you sure that was a football podcast (laughs) (laughs) it turned out to be one i don't know if it started like one but i know right that's funny how they say that (laughs) originated in the internet i've actually not listened to that one yet I have an endless list of podcasts and audiobooks. You've been off the grid. You've got yeah. You've you've, you've got a, you've got an excuse. That's too. Um, you know your cell phone signal is a little limited. Uh, five kilometers in the in the sky, so you know, or above sea level, I should say. Well, in the sky, whatever. Same term. But yeah, no. I mean, really, it just. I mean, quickly on the whole Sarismo Sari ball thing. It just it just makes me think of how like terms originate in general, like or you know at all. And it kind of, you know, I have this odd theory, which again, this is not really related to the question, but I have to say it. And, you know, I really think that like all these quote new styles of football, uh, I mean, I don't think there's really ever any new style of football 
at all. And, and I think just this applies to any kind of product or service or anything. I don't really think innovation is creating something new. I think iteration or innovation is just iterating on existing ideas. So it's, you know, I think an innovative style of football is one that combines, you know, Italian style football with more Spanish style with uh, German with English with you know I think that's innovation but technically you're not inventing something new because you're just taking stuff that already exists and putting it all together so that's why I'm just you know I think of Sarismo and Saibo I'm like well is it really like new is it really something created or is it just something that was just meshed together from five different styles of football so I don't I don't know but to answer answer his question anyway I, I question whether we've ever especially since the break or since the restart um really executed Sari's style football at all uh, or consistently over 90 minutes let's say no assuming you know we we accept Sarismo is an actual thing and not a social construct as chucks you know proposes Yes, a social construct. Thank you. That's such a good term to use. Thank you. Make me sound con- so much The social sarismo construct. <laughs> you make me sound so much more distinguished. Thank you. Absolutely. Whenever, buddy. But, you know, if we do accept that it's an actual thing, uh, I think we've seen it in flashes. In flashes against any team. Against every team, pretty much. I mean, I would say we even saw it against Sassuolo for a couple moments, and we saw it against Atalanta for a couple moments, and the only thing is, you know, against crappier teams, uh, we see it more often and we see it in a more sustained matter. But I think it's been the same thing pretty much from the get-go. You know, flashes here, flashes there. I, I don't think maybe a couple inter-games, maybe you could point to those games and say that was probably like a full display of, you know, an actual team that plays, you know, the style that Mauricio Sarri likes to play. But outside of that, I don't think... I think it's been hit or miss in every single game. I, I would agree with Chucks that I don't think we've seen it just, you know, full on display really in the entire season. We definitely haven't had it the way everyone thinks it is. I do think that the, the Torino and Genoa game were the closest that we've come bar both inter games, which were big game, which kind of puts a lie to the question because those were big games against significant opposition and they played the two best games of the year in those two games. And then I think you would probably put, I would slot the Torino game right underneath it. I mean, I I guess it just comes down to, it's easier to implement the new when you have a bigger margin of error against teams that aren't as good. And against teams that, you know, like Atalanta are, you know, so set in their ways that they know how they're going to attack you. And then I think, although I do think it does kind of, I I do think there's a little bit, uh, bit of a, notion of panic coming out of it you know they do throw the script out a little bit if they start getting really hit on the chin because they're still not certain where they're supposed to be going from at jf moratoya i hope i said that right how deep should the rebuild be so sorry could implement his style is the management willing to give him what is necessary basically how short is mauricio sorry's leash i mean in terms of how much were the management is willing to to spend to give him what he needs we won't figure that out until next until the next until next season when it comes to how deep the rebuild should go i think the midfield needs to be turned on its head the fullback core needs maybe not to be turned on its head but significant augmentation and you have to decide what you're going to do with Gonzalo Higuain's spot on the roster. And if you want one more fullback, beyond, uh, fullback forward beyond that to, to, to make a, a complete second, second line, if you will, a lot of that's going to have to do with what happens with Douglas Costa and Federico Bernardeschi and how they might dovetail and, and whether they want to play Kulusevsky as a midfielder or as a winger. So it, it Still a lot of unanswered questions, but when it comes to the midfield and the fullbacks especially, it's got to be deep. And before Sergio Romero, did you guys see the goal that Raul Jimenez scored this weekend? (laughs) (laughs) He he silenced him there, didn't he? (laughs) I beat him to it. (laughs) Like a deer in headlights. 
You, you, you better believe I did see it. <laughs> I know you saw it. <laughs> For a fantastic player. Continues breaking records. Yeah, I, I guess to follow, the, to answer the question real quick, I, I think it has to be, like I mentioned, if they're going to stick with Terry, I hope it's a full, full rebuild. I mean, just pretty much top to bottom. I mean, you know, you really look at this team and I think there are a lot of spots that you could conceivably improve. So, like like Sam said, I think easily fullbacks, midfield. I think that has to be pretty much a a tear down. I I would, you know, if you want to get crazy with it, I would actually just say keep Pentancourt and keep Rabiot and keep well Arthur, who's still not here, but you know, sure, keep him and then just everyone else is, you know, they can they can find new employment. And, you know, kind of like bring everyone else, bring someone new for pretty much every single position. But, you know, if you want to be less extreme, I think just fullbacks, that, that's going to be huge. I mean, the fact that we have three full-time fullbacks in the squad and it's, it's atrocious squad building. So if you want to focus on one position, I, I would say fullbacks and, and midfield, probably the, the biggest concerns right now, if you want it to be a full, a full teardown. To to give a short answer to to the question on my end, I think it's unlikely just because of the financial impact of COVID and, well, frankly, the uncertainty that comes with that. I think, yeah, it's unlikely to see more uncertainty added onto that through like a full roster overhaul. So, or I mean, or it might say, you know. I mean, you could react one of two ways. You could say, well, there's so much uncertainty from COVID and especially financial impact. So we're not going to, you know, we're going to stick with what we know. Or you're going to say, well, since there's so much uncertainty, we might as well go fully turn everything upside down. And once the uncertainty from COVID kind of stabilizes and goes away, then we'll be ready. So who knows? We'll uh, wrap things up there. I want to thank you guys as always for your Twitter questions. I totally slacked on sending it out so glad that we got the <laughs> the response that we did in a short time window but as always you can listen to us on itunes and apple podcasts you can listen to us on spotify and google podcast so for sam for sergio and for the fresh off vacation mr chucks this is Danny saying stay safe out there and we'll talk to you next time